The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Data Reaper podcast. My name is Ridiculous Hat. I, I am a class expert and a writer for Vicious Syndicate, and I am joined by Zacho, our chief editor and and social media mogul as of late. How's it going, Zach? I'm doing great. How are you, Pat? Doing all right. Uh, very excited to talk today because we got a, not a nerf, but we got a rework last week, so we postponed this episode. It should hopefully give more time for this podcast to be on Apple Podcasts, which should be soon if it hasn't happened already, but just remember, subscribe to us on your favorite platform, and also check out our website. You should be able to listen to the episodes as they come out, and give us a follow on Twitter and Discord if you want to he- hear all of our musings. We're going to talk about uh, talk today an overview of, again, it's written down as a, as a nerf here, but I think calling it a rework for Twin Slice is pretty accurate. I'll briefly go over some some questions about the classes, but I think there's a larger conversation to be had about the state of the game. Uh, Zach has talked about it a lot on social media, and we want to make sure that we have lots of time to get into that. But we should start with talking about the most important question. Was Twin Slice a nerf at all? Okay, so based on the first few days of the patch, and I'm saying this, it's the first few days, is that Agro Demon Hunter looks stronger than it did before the patch. Now, that doesn't mean it was a buff. What this means is that the change created an assumption, including within us, we, we also said in the report, that Demon Hunter might be weaker uh, with the Twin Slice change. So classes that could benefit from that change would be decks that, you know, lose to Demon Hunter right now, like Hunter and Druid. So there was an expectation that Demon Hunter would be weaker. So people started playing more Druid and Hunter, which means that the meta became more favorable for Agro Demon Hunter. And Agro Demon Hunter did not lose a step. Uh, right now, you know, if I look over the data, I don't see any differences in the matchups than before. I don't see how Twin Slice changed any of the matchups that we're familiar with. It didn't lose any percentages against anything. And again, it's early, but this is what's happening right now. So Demon Hunter is just as strong as it was before the balance changes. And the meta became more favorable to it, which leads to Agro Demon Hunter actually performing better. Now, eventually, the meta will correct itself. People will figure out that Agro Demon Hunter is still strong. And the bad matchups will lower in popularity, which kind of will bring us to a very similar meta that we saw before the patch, before the Twin Slice rework. Which means that at the moment, and I'm being careful here. Nothing seems to be different. Don't expect anything different from what you've seen before the patch. There's always the possibility that some new deck, and there's some new experiments showing up that we'll probably discuss more in detail in the report itself on Sunday. But unless something major happens, we're probably going to still see Warrior and Demon Hunter at the top and everything else, uh, everything else being everything else. And from your anecdotal experience, I know it's it's pretty hard for us to really get specific information from the data on per card performance. Do we have any idea of that so far? My initial feelings are that 
Umberwing is so much more important in the mulligan, and Seder Overseer is generally a little bit of a worse card. And I'm keeping Twin Slice a little bit less, but when I top deck it, my opponent just dies sometimes because it's so much damage. Basically, the early game of Demon Hunter is a little bit weaker, possibly, but the late game is even stronger because you have more reach. You have more damage. Twin Slice is an Eviscerate. So, you know, I've, I've tried playing a lot of decks in the last few days until I got fed up. But I played a few decks uh, trying to figure out the Demon Hunter matchup. And the Twin Slice being too damaged uh, killed me in a lot of situations that the zero mana Twin Slice wouldn't have. So they get more reach and they can just punish you uh, pretty hard in the late game. Yes, the Altruist is, might be a little bit weaker. Yes, the on-curve plays of Adept and Overseer are hampered. But um, in general, it seems like you gain, you lost something, but you gain something else. And Twin Slice is still a good card. And obviously, Demon Hunter has 28 other very good cards, which means it hasn't lost a step. Yeah, I've lost to 8 damage Warglaive Swings uh, a bunch lately. And while Altruist may have gotten a little bit worse, the damage you lost from the Altruist pings from the Twin Slice was moved over to the Twin Slice itself. You, you exactly. just get it back. Like, yes, you can't... You can't proc the Altruist as consistently, but you don't need to because the Twin Slice does more damage anyway. So one proc of the Altruist, you lose, but you gain it by with the damage from Twin Slice. So the face damage is the same. As I said, Heisen lost a step. And it has been interesting as well. It's way too early for this stuff and builds are still being refined, but it looks like the Twin Slice rework actually enabled some other Demon Hunter strategies, potentially. There's the weirdo control demon hunter list that Eddie and Ego Waffle are working on uh, that is all just life gain cards and weapons, including Horde Pillager to get back Aldrachi Warblades and Warglaives, which is pretty out there. I know Zalei has been pushing his Highlander demon hunter. And part of that is, is based on the class's average card quality being astronomical, which we'll talk about, well, in a little bit. Uh, but... The Twin Slice rework seems to have made a big difference, and it also has made cards like Cobalt Spellkin a lot better. Yeah, like Cobalt Spellkin could be an interesting conclusion in Aggro Demon Hunter. As for Arthur Demon Hunter builds, it's a bit too early to judge them. Based on initial glance, the Control Demon Hunter with the Moarg Artificer doesn't seem to be performing well at all right now, but it might be because it's not really refined or figure out, and there's a lot of things that you might be able to improve in it. Um, especially its late game damage might not be enough against some classes like Warrior, maybe Priest. So maybe there will be some adjustment in that. It does seem to have a promising capability of maybe matching up well enough against Aggro Demon Hunter, but so far it doesn't look anywhere near competitive based on its current performance. But again, it's just a few days. We'll see. There might be a breakthrough that you know creates a, a viable. Uh, Demon Hunter deck that isn't the aggro uh, variant. Highlander, same thing. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, still too early. I don't want to make any uh, commitments or any you know big statements. It's entirely possible that those decks are fine, but are coasting off of the quality of Pilot along in a metagame where people are trying out new stuff and also playing Demon Hunter cards. Because when you play Demon Hunter cards, your win rate goes up. So 
it's entirely possible that what we're seeing is just kind of a, a factor of an early metagame. Jank. There's a bit of jank. Yeah. There's a bit of jank. When when there when there's a patch, there's always some jank. So uh, naturally, deck win rates go up, and then they fall down while while things settle settle down. Like a really good example is Highlander Hunter. Highlander Hunter right now performs really well, and the reason is that people are playing less aggro Demon Hunter because they thought the deck was nerfed. So Highlander Hunter looks good, but it's kind of it's kind of succeeding under false pretenses that Aggro Demon Hunter was weak, but it's not. So it's going to climb back up in popularity, and Highlander Hunter will again fa face this bad matchup again, and we're going to see the same story that we saw a few weeks ago where Highlander Hunter was Tier 1 on the first week, and then it started falling off as Demon Hunter rose in popularity. I don't see anything different in the current dynamic in the matchup that makes me believe that anything different will occur here. Um, so that's the situation. Demon Hunter is still very good. The only decks that seem capable of beating it are, again, the two warrior decks and Rage and Bomb Warrior, and then one variant in Rogue, the Stealth variant, that has the capability of matching it in the early game, thanks to Spy Mistress, which is a one-mana minion that Demon Hunter cannot react, cannot respond to, cannot interact with, guaranteeing a trade. Yeah, I will say it seems like uh, it's honestly a little harder to go under. Demon Hunter can't develop quite the same way, but if you try and play a Blazing Battle Mage and they have Twin Spell Claw, that's not going to work. So You have to go really wide really quickly and then hope they don't blow you out with something. Yeah, so, so here's the thing about Demon Hunter's early game. You know, I've seen a lot of um, you know pro players, streamers, content creators saying, uh, ner don't nerf Demon Hunter, just buff the other classes. You know, make them compete with Demon Hunter. Well, I'm saying, you know, I suggested to ner just nerf Demon Hunter, nerf it in the late game so that control decks will be better situated against it. But in terms of early game, the things that you need in order to compete with Demon Hunter's consistency, you know, it sounds vague, and it sounds kind of good in theory, but let's think about what's actually needed to do. So the best way to think about what's needed to compete with Demon Hunter is not provide you know vague statements, but actually discuss cards, historical cards that would perform well against Demon Hunter today. And then we can judge whether we want these cards of this power level back in the format, back in standard format. So let's think about early game cards that would be good against the consistency of Demon Hunter. So one thing is uh, Ganon Baku. We could bring back Ganon Baku and have every class be consistent in the early game. Is that a good idea? Please You'll don't judge. do that. Please no. There's another way, right? Let's, let's bring back early game minions that the Demon Hunter cannot consistently remove in the early game, cannot push off the board. So let's make bloated early game. Again, let's bring back Tunnel Trog and Totem Golem. How about we bring back Shielded Minibot, Muster for Battle? These are the kind of cards that when you think about them, you would, you know, scratch your chin a little and, and say, oh, these might be good enough against Demon Hunter currently in the early game. The question is, do we want early game at this kind of power level? Or, alternatively, we could just nerf Demon Hunter a little bit instead of power creeping the hell out of the other classes. Um, so I'm thinking let's just nerf Demon Hunter just a little bit, not necessarily in the early game, let's nerf it in the late game so that it cannot 
just beat every aggro deck in the format and also counter control because that's the crazy thing about this deck is that it also beats control. You cannot outlast it because its late game is insane. The Warglaves, the Metamorphosis, the Adapts, the Skull of Gul'dan, you just cannot outlast it. There's not enough uh, uh, defensive tools in the format to be able to outlast it. So again, I'll go back to people suggesting let's buff the other classes. So what needs to happen for control decks to be able to counter Demon Hunter? They don't care about your taunts. So we probably need more life gain. So Galakorn Priest and Quest Warlock don't have enough life gain to beat Demon Hunter consistently throughout last and in the late game. So we need better life gain. So let's go back to Wild again and think about what's required in order to counter Demon Hunter consistently. Hmm, maybe Highlander decks need Reno Jackson back in the format. Maybe we need Oaken Summons, Branching Paths, Ferocious Howl, Malfurion the Pestilent. Maybe we need one mana Heal 8 Dark Pact or Spellstone. These are the kind of heals, this is the kind of life gain that we probably need in order to be able to outlast Demon Hunter because they never run out of cards, which means they never run out of damage, which means you cannot run out of healing. So, again, buff the other classes to that kind of level, or just nerf Demon Hunter a little bit instead of power creeping the hell out of life gain. My suggestion, let's nerf Demon Hunter a little bit. Other people's suggestion, let's buff all the other classes. Sounds romantic, sounds cute in theory, but in practice you're going to have the situation where if they do that, if they actually start buffing the other classes to that level, people will complain about power creep, people will complain about you know, the format is just choked out through both ends of the meta spectrum. And, you know, this is what's going to happen in the next expansion. Either the next expansion is going to be weak, like a Rastakhan Rumble kind of thing, and Demon Hunter and Warrior are still going to be at the top of the meta, or the next expansion is going to be a hell of a st strong expansion, something like Savers of Old Doom ramped up, and then people will say, oh, you know, there's too many powerful cards, the meta is just completely warped, and we can't fix it. So when people say, let's buff the other classes, we need to think about what the implications are. How do we compete? Demon Hunter's early game, super consistent. At, again, gray main level. And its late game is insane. Damage potential is unreal. Very difficult to outlast. So if you, wanna, you want other classes to compete, go ahead. But you're going to... You're gonna be in a power creep situation that you're gonna it's gonna be tough to come back from if you do that. So I'm listening to this and there is one other class that's that's able to effectively compete right now, and that's Warrior. But I'm thinking back as well to the beginning of the metagame where Warlock was actually the best class in the meta when Demon Hunter first came, uh, came out after the first first nerf, because you could sack pack to people. So yeah, you, is you could zero mana, destroy a demon, and heal for a significant amount, and that was good enough to have a 55% win rate against Demon Hunter. Now, true, it got nerfed a little bit more since then, but this is the kind of thing that's required. But is Warrior right now playing that warped meta counter role, or is it also similarly powerful just because of the nature of really powerful new cards? Like Risky Skipper, uh, and then from this expansion, Corsair Cash, Warm All Challenger, Blood Boil Brute. 
Well, the thing is, Warrior um, may end up even be, being even more powerful than Demon Hunter in the context of the current meta. But Warrior, I find it to be a healthier deck than Demon Hunter because there are actually ways to counter it with the current cards in the format by other classes. Other classes are capable of countering, in theory, if they didn't have to deal with Demon Hunter. Uh, it's not a. It's not a warrior. Is not a class that just like seems completely unstoppable, mechanics wise. It doesn't seem to be game breaking in the same sense that Demon Hunter is, where it just doesn't allow you to develop your early game or it doesn't allow you to stabilize in the late game. Warrior is powerful. It has some cards that are probably a bit too powerful and consistent. I also posted on social media what I think. Two problematic cards are in terms of power level and one in terms of the gameplay experience. Uh, Wrangler, not power level, but experience-wise. And Wormall Challenger, which is kind of a weird card in terms of how it is utilized in the current meta. While Skipper is obviously the best card in the deck. And nerfing it will hurt the deck too much, but maybe you need to reduce the consistency of it. But Warrior, I can totally see being successful in a very healthy meta environment where Demon Hunter is not insane so even though warrior might have the higher win rate at legend at some point in the near future in like two weeks from now or three weeks now it's certainly possible it's not necessarily a more overpowered deck in the way that it warps the meta i think demon hunter is a serious problem uh, when it comes to current meta diversity and it just because there's just no other class besides warrior that can beat it and the only reason that warrior can beat it is because it can just generate you know 15 armor in one turn with whiskey skipper armorsmith turns that's why warrior is, is good against demon hunter if it couldn't like stack armor like that it might not even be able to beat it consistently um you look at bomb control warrior it's a deck that doesn't pressure as much as enrage warrior it relies more on outlasting the Demon Hunter. And it doesn't have as great a matchup as Enrage Warrior because of it. Because even with that armor, you still lose 4 out of 10 because the Demon Hunter just has an unrelentless amount of damage. Uh, so we really need to think about whether we want to add life gain that could sustain against that or whether we think adding life gain across the board in that manner would be unhealthy, would be similarly unhealthy, and we just need to tone down the consistency of the damage that the Demon Hunter can dish out. Uh, I think it's the it's the latter, but, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, Demon Hunter just, it's, as it's currently built, it is warping the format, but you've taught, you mentioned this already. Um, about how adding early game in that would actually compete, buffing the other classes could be challenging. And yeah, as I think Firebat phrased it in a way that I understand where that concept is coming from, that when you're playing other classes that are not Demon Hunter, you've got, it feels like you can't find 30 cards you want to put in your deck. So the deck feels half complete, and that means the gameplay feels half complete when you draw all these cards you don't want in your deck. And I think a good example of this is Anyone that has played Druid will be able to relate to this sentiment. Uh, now, part of that, though, is it's not that some of the cards are bad, it's that you don't want them in your deck, but that you have outliers that are propping up a deck that otherwise wouldn't exist. Because if you look at a uh, class like Druid, 
if we didn't have overgrowth right now, would we ever play Druid? No. No, that's the thing about... So the thing about Firebat, I, like, I emphasize. I emphasize with anyone who doesn't want to see Demon Hunter and Warrior nerfed, and I say that as well, because the other classes, the, the, the experience of playing them, it, it doesn't feel that great. It actually feels kind of crappy because they have such high variance and such massive swings. And one, one game, you just are completely useless. In the next game, you feel unstoppable. And it doesn't feel like you have any control over that. Like sometimes the druid will play fungal fortunes and discard two minions. And that's that. Sometimes it's not going to draw overgrowth and it's going to just pass four turns in a row and die. And sometimes you get the Breath of Dreams overgrowth Mount Cellar curve and just destroy everyone. But it doesn't feel like you did anything to make that happen. It wasn't in your hands. It wasn't in your power where you played Ysera and you overflowed and you managed to draw a couple of 8-8s on that turn and just won the game through that. It feels like you kind of cheated. It doesn't feel like you achieved something. And the lack of satisfaction in playing these decks is what's driving this uh, sentiment into not wanting to nerf Aggro Demon Hunter and Warrior and instead buff the other classes and just make them more consistent. I totally understand it. Because nobody wants... Does anybody want Spelldroid to be the best deck in the game? Does anybody want the format to be revolved into trying to kill the Druid as quickly as possible before it gets to 7 mana? No, nobody wants to see that. It's it's Basically, it's like Quest Rogue in terms of the experience of playing against it. You're like on a constant clock where you try, need to try and kill the Druid as quickly as possible before it just completely blows you out and you have no ability to respond to it. Or Mage. Like, Mage, a top-tier deck, where, I don't know, a sizable percentage of the games are just decided, decided by box. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody want, I'm pretty sure that nobody wants to see Galakorn Priest being 20% of the meta. So the prospect of Warrior and Demon Hunter being nerfed when the likely result as these decks rising in play and becoming more popular is not something that people can get behind. So a lot of these pros and, and, and streamers and content creators rightfully are afraid of that outcome. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Demon Hunter is okay. Just because these classes are not okay and the experience in playing them is not okay doesn't make Demon Hunter okay. Um, you have kind of a two extremes. You have a deck that's far too consistent and far too powerful. And you have decks that are wildly inconsistent and moderately powerful. And that's the situation. That's why the meta is a bit stuck here. And there is no really great solution other than hoping that the next expansion will push down these high-variance archetypes bring a bit more consistency to the game whilst managing to compete against the consistency that Aggro Demon Hunter displays while not power creeping the meta to the point where we're, we feel just choked out. It's a challenge. Um, so we kind of had this honeymoon period of like Demon Hunter, new class, cool design, flavor-wise, it, it's it's... There was a great job done by Team 5 in designing the class in terms of how it feels, at least. But there's certainly 
uh, a sentiment of, okay, what, what are we doing now, right? We had the same sentiment with Death Knights. They were super cool. They were super fun. There was like, they had this wow factor to them. They were a commercial success, much like Demon Hunter is right now. But what's going to happen like six months from now? Demon Hunter is not going to look as exciting as novel as it is today. The, the, when the novelty wears off, then people will think, this deck is just, this class is just far too consistent in its early game. And this is with us looking at it as well. We're, we're in a four-set meta, and I think that's something that might be forgotten with how high the power level is right now, uh, because there are a lot of really, really splashy mid-game plays. But you talked about this before. If you buff cards now, what happens when the next set comes out? Right? What happens if we take this set where it's at right now, which I think is on par with... I think this is the release of Demon Hunter and the release of Death Knights are probably a similar level of power level spike. Um, and so if we compare this to KFT, what happens if the next set is KNC? Right? What happens if we get Corridor Creepers and, and recruit? I, I kind of like, feel like we already had the KFT and the KNC, and those were Old Doom and Descent of Dragons. And right now, we're at a point where are we headed to a Rastakhan expansion where nothing will change? The game was at its lowest point in its history during Rastakhan. So we either dish out powerful expansion to try and compete with the Doom and the Sen of Dragons, which brought us Highlander Galakon decks, both of which are still weaker than current Warrior and current Demon Hunter. Think about that. Or we're going to oh, relax on the power level and have nothing change. So the situation here right now, a lot of players are not really feeling it because you there's still the novelty. A lot of people enjoy playing Demon Hunter right now. There are a lot of people who enjoy playing Warrior now. But I'm saying, as someone who has been here before and looked at things from an analytical perspective is that we might be three months from now asking ourselves, okay, what changed? Um, or asking ourselves, how are we going to get out of here if, if there will be a really powerful expansion, right? So, yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult to tell uh, what's going to happen. And, yeah, I agree. If people, if they buff cards right now, then it's going to lower the impact of the new cards in the next expansion. Also, there's a possibility that they don't want to buff cards right now because they might become oppressive with new cards that we're not aware of yet. So there's a lot of information that we're not privy to that might affect their decision-making. Now, is the meta right now a complete disaster? No, but competitive-wise, it's one of the worst metas ever. Like, I've seen... Um, you know, one of the game designers say like a few, a while back that this is one of the most skill testing metas in Hearthstone's history. And I disagree with him completely. Like this is the exact opposite of that. If you're talking about Warrior and Demon Hunter, sure, they're consistent and they're relatively skill testing. I agree. But the other classes, I couldn't disagree more. And uh, most pro players will agree with me, if not all of them. So, the question here is, what do we do? The question here is, if we were designing the game, how would we fix this? Because we know that bringing everything else up to this level is not the way to go. 
But how do we adjust what Demon Hunter does? And how do we adjust what, what Warrior is currently doing while also making the other classes relevant? And I want to open here. I actually, there's, there have been a few really good social media tweets. I'm going to start with a real short one. Uh, and this is from Bloody Face, where he says that design-wise, Demon Hunter feels like classic Rogue with a high velocity centered around building a big weapon and burst. But Rogue has become an amorphous burgle and created by class that feels like a lower curve, more aggressive priest. And that class identity feels very unclear right now. I think that's a great place to start. So what would you do from your perspective? Rogue is a terrific example of things that went wrong, in my opinion, in terms of balancing the class. Because what I'm seeing is cards like Cold Blood and Blade Flurry being buried in the co- in your collection and not being utilized, where they would be really interesting additions to the current meta because the current meta lacks lethality. The only deck right now that has real pressure and lethality is Demon Hunter. And that kind of contributes to this meta where people just generate a billion things and nobody kills anyone. And lack of lethality is what leads to these Clown Fiesta uh, situations where you get to the late game and every class has like full life and a handful of cards, half of them randomly generated because nobody's killing anyone. So let's, let's say we added Cold Blood to the game and suddenly Rogue would be able to kill somebody. Then maybe the mana demonic would be different. Or Blade Flurry might be a useful card against Demon Hunter. Maybe that would establish Rogue as a real counter to Demon Hunter. On the other hand, you have Edwin still hanging around. Edwin is the high-variance early game toxic card that I'm talking about constantly. And that's this card was left unchanged, untouched. So instead of Rogue being like this lethal, stabby, consistent class that can pressure you and might be a, a, a foil to Demon Hunter, it rolls Edwin and hopes. It plays eight Edwins on turn three and prays. This is the exact opposite of what you want Rogue to be. You want Rogue to be Rogue. How is this class played out in WoW? It's, it sneaks behind your back and stabs you, tries to kill you. And instead, it tries to generate a billion things and play a 10-10 Edwin on turn four and sometimes win automatically. It's the opposite of what should happen if you want to make classes well-rounded. So what I would do, for example, I would buff back Cold Blood, at least. I don't know about Blade Flurry, but I would put Cold Blood back in the format. Maybe even Leroy and take out Edwin to compensate for that. And then maybe Rogue will have a better, there will be a better experience in playing Rogue than what you currently see. Uh, But yeah, basically there's a lack of lethality. A lot of people talk about the lack of Leroy. I think that has an issue that has an impact on the current meta where just nobody can kill anyone other than Demon Hunter. And then you have the situation where, you know, full hands, full health, half of your hand is randomly generated. And sometimes you roll 40 stats on the board in one turn and hope that's enough. Now, I just thought of this right now. Are there any combo decks in the current meta? Not really, right? Well, combo decks right now uh, revolve around playing Fungal Fortunes, 
Ramping with overgrowth and, and playing a glowfly swarm, that's your combo. Or Mount Cellar. Are there any are there any like classic consideration combo decks where there's a big wind up a period of vulnerability in the early game and then they kind of kill you in one turn or create a board state that you can't deal with? I guess Druid qualifies, but I don't want to. I don't think that deck. I mean, Druid is a is a combo deck. It's just that it's it's a quest rogue like combo deck where the combo is on turn four or five instead of being on turn ten, and that causes why uh, that causes the frustration when you have a combo deck that requires no setup no real assembling of resources and no real time needed to assemble it then it becomes frustrating yeah that's what quest rogue was when it just created that board state on turn five six and killed you on turn seven you just don't have no time that's why quest mage in wild has been so frustrating for a long time because the combo is just completely was completed so quickly. That's why Darkest Hour, same thing in Wild. In Wild, a lot of combo decks are just too fast and it becomes really frustrating because there's no time to pressure them trying to kill them before they do it or respond to whatever they did after they assembled the combo. So when you have combo decks that require one card, which is Glowfly Swarm, followed by a Savage Roar, then it's not really a combo deck. It's more like an amorphous deck that just sets up a combo in three turns with two cards and kills you it's not a classic combo deck that people like you know talk about with nostalgia of like yeah back in the day we had you know miracle rogue or we had patron warrior or even freeze mage right even freeze mage and yeah i guess by definition uh, a fully invoked galakrond on seven is a combo deck and the best combo finish in the format, actually, now that I think about it, is uh, probably Corcron, Interrage, Rampage, Bloodsworn. But that deck, you need some setup, but you also have a really powerful early game and good mid-range threats. And you can also just Rampage the Warmall Challenger on turn 4 or whatever. There are... That might be the only combo finish we have, but there's no actual dedicated combo deck like we see now in Wild or like we see in the past. Uh, I'm thinking back to the Savior's metagame. And we had Combo Priest there. And Combo Priest played a lot like how Enrage Warrior does now. Except if you kept it off They're the board, it would similar. lose. But if you kept it off the board, it would lose. Whereas if you keep Warrior off the board, then they kill you. Um, and that's a, you know, charge is an important difference. But yeah, they play similarly. And I think back to the Savior's metagame. We had some decent aggro. We had some good combo. And we had some good control decks. And I'm trying to think where, in your opinion, did things start to shift and change? I know there's... Been an opinion going around, I think it was Ranlet that I was reading, who said that he, he thought the problem started with DoD and Galakrond's Awakening, and I kind of see that. I kind of see that's where the shift in philosophy came from, but I'm curious what you think. I think both Old Doom and DoD heavily contribute to the current situation that we're in right now. Um, Old Doom started it with Highlander support. I think Highlander decks kind of are inherently high variance because of the nature of how they're built and the way that the the power level is just concentrated in a few cards. So you either draw these cards and you feel good or not draw them and you feel bad. Uh, But it really ramped up with the Seno Dragons. The Seno Dragons was an expansion that made Kobolds of Catacombs look like breakfast. It was nothing compared to the Seno Dragons. So many cards of the Seno Dragons have already been nerfed and it really ramped up the power level. And again, you, you introduce hero cards. You introduce this 
slow methodical ramping to a super power swing turn that's very difficult to respond to. And there's a lot of other offensive cards from that set that kind of stuck around after rotation and are really, really dominant. Now, you said a good thing about, a smart thing about Warrior, where it's like the only deck that has like a dedicated combo, but it's also an aggro deck. And I'll remind you that there's another combo, which is Altruis, that is housed by another aggro deck. So the only combo decks in the current meta are the aggro decks that draw more cards than the control decks and kill them with the combo. So you have two decks that are so warping that they're both aggro and combo decks in the same meta. And they they act as in both roles. So they're like, because you can't control them. Naturally, you know, a lot of people thought, I hate this uh, these definitions of like control countering aggro and aggro countering combo and such. It, it doesn't really work like that in Hearthstone. But it's important to note that Demon Hunter and, and Enrage Warrior are aggro decks. They have dominant early game uh, development. And yet, they have combos that can just blow defensive decks out of the water. So there's you just can't really stop them consistently because you can't control their early game and if you play out the game too slow, they just go to the late game and kill you. So in terms of how in terms of their role in the meta, they are unhealthy. They they are definitely unhealthy because the way that they play out and the tools that they possess are just far too powerful for anything else to to, to compete with. To the point where even Highlander decks and Galakron decks can't deal with them consistently. So all the indications from an analytical standpoint, from a logical standpoint, from a game design standpoint, points that these decks are just too good. They're too good. Um, and in order for them to not be too good, you either nerf them or you power creep all the other classes so that they can compete. And this option doesn't seem that enticing to me because I would like meta dynamics to mean something. Uh, I don't want decks to be good at everything. And this is what we have right now. You have a deck like Warrior that can gain 15 armors in one turn, clear boards, develop insane stats on turn four, and deal 18 damage on turn eight, turn nine. That's a problem. So, let's get into details. What would you change? What would you change specifically, card by card? Well, we, I mentioned it in the social media. So, we can, we can kind of go over exactly on the changes that I suggested and why I suggested them. So, the first thing is we look at Demon Hunter. So, Demon Hunter, the first card that I would change is Warglaive and Azanoth. And the reason is is because it's an offensive card in terms of its versatility and what it allows Demon Hunter to do. Warglyph is a board clear. It's 12 damage to face, and it's single target removal. All in one card. It can do all of these things together. The reason why it's single target removal is because the Demon Hunter is so dominant in the early game that it's just never pressured. And it sometimes can take 12, 15 damage to its face 
by punching uh, taunts multiple times and keep up the pressure on his opponent. It doesn't care about taking that amount of damage. So Rogalev of Azanoth enables Demon Hunter to circumvent a weakness that Team 5 defined in the class, which is no hard removal, right? It's not supposed to be able to deal with big minions very well. But Warglaves allows it to. So I suggest slow that down the card a little bit, make it six mana, so that it's not you're not quick to equip it and just stomp on every taunts or other things that the opponent develops. The other card is Kane. That's big problem because Kane is a card that just circumvents a key mechanic in defending against aggressive decks, which are taunts. You're trying to defend yourself. The format doesn't have enough life gain, so the best option most classes have, like Mage, like Rogue, is to taunt up. And Kane is like, huh, tough luck, bro, but nothing you did this turn to defend yourself mattered. And that feels inherently bad to play against, where a card invalidates what you do. And I think that Kane is definitely a long-term problem, because it kind of forces what I said earlier... That since taunts don't matter, you need excessively high life gain to being able to offset the Demon Hunter's damage. Because you can't prevent it through taunts very effectively. Because they got the Warglaive, they punch the taunts. And then you, you stabilize, but they still have Kane. And another card that, again, causes this issue is Metamorphosis. Because Metamorphosis is just a brute force, high damage card that requires no deck building requirement. It requires no thinking whatsoever to put it in your deck, and it just deals 10 for 7. So if you don't have life gain, if you're like Rogue, and you've sunk into 15 health, or if you're like Mage, and he plays Metamorphosis, you're dead. There's nothing you can do. You cannot prevent the damage. So you just sit there and wait to die. And that card also feels inherently bad. And that card is also another card that just bypasses taunts, and requires excessive life gain in order to be able to outlast. So I suggest nerf that as well. Generally, if you look at my changes, my suggested changes, they're all meant to make Demon Hunter a little bit weaker in slow matchups so that you can actually develop your plan to take it out of the game. It's just too fast in the late game. And the last card is Altruist. You do too many things. You clear the board and you deal the face damage. So I'm saying, put it back to three health, uh, to three mana. Put it back as a three-two. Revert that change, but make it do one good thing rather than everything well. Make it either deal the face damage or deal the AOE, but don't do both. So that it's not just a card that's like, okay, I just won the game because I drew my altruist. So these are the changes I suggest. Of course, I also talk about the hero power and the consistency of that, but reworking the hero power is something that you can think about long-term, but it's definitely problematic to do now without you know balancing every other card. Overseer, Adapt, things like that, Warglaves are all heavily affected by a hero power rework. So I'm not saying, don't do that now. Don't think about that now. But for now, let's at least give one end of the meta spectrum a chance to outlast Demon Hunter and produce a more interesting meta dynamic where there's actually something that can beat it in the late game, other than Warrior. 
early game. I don't suggest nerfs to early game, despite its extreme power and consistency. Simply for the reason that it's difficult to nerf Demon Hunter's early game cards without making them useless. It's more difficult to nerf Umberwing without making it useless. Same for Overseer. Same for a card like Battlefiend, which you already nerfed. You already worked with Twin Slice. If you change it again, it might be too weak. So let's keep... So I'm saying let's keep Demon Hunter's identity as a strong early game class, but let's let's hit its late game a little bit so that, you know, a deck like Galcon Priest might be able to, to beat it. If the late game is slower and the damage is a bit slower, maybe you can sustain against it. Uh, now, these changes might make Demon Hunter too weak, but honestly, I don't think they will. Like, even if you make all of these changes, I think Demon Hunter is still going to be really good because its early game is just so good. Like, a deck with that dominant of an early game is never going to be bad. Yeah. The mid-game performance, it, the deck reminds me a lot of uh, of pre-nerf Rise of Shadows Rogue, where you just have so much damage and you just go face the entire game, and it's almost impossible for your opponent to stop you. But instead of Myra's, we have two skulls. Yeah. You have two skulls, and instead of Leroy, you've got the Metamorphosis, which is better than Leroy. Yeah. Which is, oof, that's something. I mean, you, you Hall of Fame Leroy, and then Kane and Metamorphosis are introduced. So, of course, the only class that can kill anything is Demon Hunter, while everybody else is just fooling around with RNG. Uh, that's what happens. It comes with the territory of making a new class, and would you, would you adjust anything in the other classes? Where would you start there? It's actually really difficult to nerf the other classes. One is because none of them are like oppressive or problematic. That's one thing. So if you nerf them, then you might just delete it altogether. And we don't want to create more shamans and paladins in the current middle, right? Um, but like, for example, Druid, if Druid ever became too powerful, then Glowfly Swarm probably needs a mana adjustment. Um, if if Mage is too good, then Puzzlebot probably needs some adjustment. Not necessarily because of its raw, sheer power level, because, but because you can't really nerf the Highlander cards because two of them are neutrals and affect other classes, while Reno is not really a card you can touch or anything. doesn't make sense. But Puzzlebox is just offensive in terms of its high variance and competitive integrity. Um, rogue is again very difficult to balance. What do you even nerf? What do you like? If you if you nerf Edwin right now, like I don't mind Edwin being Hall of Fame like next April, provided Rogue gets compensation for it. But if you nerf Edwin now, Rogue is gonna be shaman. Like Rogue is, <laughs> people don't think about it, um, but Edwin is largely responsible for. Many of Rogue's wins, especially in its bad matchups. So if Rogue doesn't have that early game blowout potential, it's just not going to be a class. So you, you, the first thing you have to question is, why did we reach the situation where Rogue is balanced around Edwin? And I'll say, think about what happened to Coldblood and Blade Flurry and where Edwin is right now. The other question is, if you do eventually rework Edwin... What do you do to Rogue to compensate for it? You have to make it a bit more consistent if you want to take out the power swing. So that's something that you can think about. But again, it's most, mostly a long-term thing. 
Hunter, again, you can't really nerf the, the deck, Highlander Hunter. None of its cards are particularly powerful other than its Highlander payoffs. You might tune Rottenest Drake, might be the most offensive card out of the rest of the kit. But it's not like if you nerf Rottenest Drake, it's going to make that deck, it's going to mean anything other than making Hunter players feel bad. Oh, they nerfed our Rottenest Drake. So there are no great solutions. How do you, you can't nerf Overgrowth because the Druid is not going to be a class. You can't nerf Breath of Dreams because it's not going to be, like, again, Druid is not going to be a class without its ramp. Uh, so, yeah, you're definitely in an issue where it's difficult for you to nerf anything. And even the nerfs that make sense, like nerfing Warrior or nerfing Demon Hunter, if you do that, then it's not necessarily going to make the meta better. Like, War Mall Challenger is a card you probably want to nerf because it's not really being played as it was designed to. Because its main strength is just being slapped down as a 110 on turn 3 and getting buffed. Did Team 5 intended for it to be played as a 3-mana 110 and being really powerful in that context? I don't think they intended that. So you probably want to nerf that aspect of the card. And Skipper, again, if you nerf the card, you're just going to delete Warrior from the format. So what I suggest is just taking out the pirate tag. So the blowout, so the big swing turns and the synergies are still in place. They're just a little less consistent. So maybe you will drop its win rate by a little bit and not kill the deck or the class or the synergies that feel good to play. It's fun to play with Skipper, Battle Rage, and Brute. It's not something that I want to take out from the game. There is no great solution here. We're kind of stuck paying for the sins of Oldoob and the Sen of Dragons. Much like we paid for the sins that were made during the KFT and KNC. Death Knights were a huge commercial success. Like a year and a half later, everyone was sick of them. So think about what happens when Demon Hunter is going to play out a year from now. And you can't rotate this class out. Yeah. Well, and they can keep working on it, right? They've made it pretty clear that class identity is constantly shifting. And the Demon Hunter that we see in a year may not be like the Demon Hunter we have now, much like the Rogue we have now isn't the one that we were used to growing up. Uh, they can move a lot faster and redefine what the class identity means. It doesn't necessarily have to be this attack combo identity. I do like the idea of attacking frequently, and that makes sense, but also you want to make sure you don't pigeonhole the class into being too low curve, but also don't want to give it too many options like it has now, where you can build a Highlander class and every card is... Uh, is insane. There's some middle ground to be found there. Now, I do have some nerfs I want to run your way before we wind down here. Some small nerfs. One, do not allow a card to be reduced below one mana. When you reduce it, Dragon Queen Alexstrasza, it's Wondrous Wand. If it's Bog Beam, one mana, not zero. You probably kill these cards. You just kill these cards and make everyone feel bad about them. If Dragon Queen Alexstrasza, you cannot play the dragon on the same turn, then the the, the card is just not going to exist. All of its archetypes are not going to exist, and what you did is just delete classes from the format rather than increase diversity. So while Dragon Queen Alexstrasza is a card that I don't personally like because of its high variance, nerfing it is not necessarily going to make things better. Same for Bogbeam. If you nerf Bogbeam and Ironbark, Druid is just not going to be a class. So it, you're, you're in this weird predicament where 
you don't like how these cl classes play out right now, but if you nerf elements within them, you're just not gonna, they're not gonna exist. So is it better than Druid, that Druid high rolls, but you can still play Druid? Or is it better that Druid becomes Paladin and you're just never gonna see it? I think it's better that Druid exists. I think I'd rather see a little bit of meta diversity and some different experiences rather than running into 40% Demon Hunters and 40% Warriors. So, well, sure. And there are layers here, right? Like, there is, if this was just one thing to be fixed, then it would have been fixed. It, it's, but you can't. You can't. There's too much. You have to rework everything, and you're not going to do that. No. Um, what do you think about the idea of, say, curated discover pools? When you play Draconic Lackey, you can't get something that costs more than seven, right? Something like that. It's not a super meaningful change. Again, if you want to make a change, it better be something that's like super meaningful. Maybe it reduces variance, which is nice, but to the lackey, right? It kind of makes the lackey more confusing. You need to keep it simple. It's not necessary. I disagree with this change. It just kind of ruins the flow and the fantasy of the card. And I guess that's kind of where the issue is right now. There's a lot of decent feel cards as far as fantasy and and ideology of the cards. You look at the rogue cards for Ashes of Outland, and they're very roguey. They're all stealth and secrets. Rogue, like, it, these, are, these are sneaky things. The rogue cards, the stealth cards, Greyheart Sage and Spy Mistress, they feel like rogue cards. Uh, uh, Hanar very much feels like a rogue card, even though we didn't really have secret synergy in the class ever. We had crappy secrets that one time, and now they're kind of sort of still playable. Right, and and they were good when they first came out. They've got the feel down, but it doesn't feel like a classic rogue in Hearthstone. It feels like a fantasy trope rogue. Whereas what we're used to with these classes now, Hearthstone is at the point where it kind of has its own identities. And I wonder if the team would be better served by working towards what the class has done in the game as opposed to what the class can do in other games or in tropes in general. Because I miss one man of cold blood too a lot. I generally don't like the idea of class identities just because it just unnecessarily limits you. Like, who says this class can't do something? Maybe in another context, it would be cool if one class did something that it not, like normally doesn't do, and it will be able to do it for like a year or a year and a half. Like, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a good thing to just define limitations like that. So I think that I hope that Team 5 just forgets about that blog post and kind of lets the ideas flow more naturally. And another thing that I'm, I'm very much against is limiting card draw uh, in classes. I think card draw is an absolute fundamental uh, um, trait in late game strategies and also aggressive strategies. You need card draw in order to increase the consistency of your game plan. Lack of card draw leads to a situation where you need Galakrom Priest to generate 30 cards out of that are not naturally in its deck in order to be able to compete. And it's not even that great of a deck today. It doesn't have card draw. It has mass generation. And yet its late game strategy is not that powerful. Just think about that. So I think that card draw just needs to be inherently, at least at a basic level, accessible to all classes. It can feel different between classes. You can definitely design different kinds of card draw. 
But I think this current situation where if you go to your collection and you look at priests and you filter to basic and classic and you do the search draw, that there's only one card that comes up, which is mass dispel. I think that's unacceptable. I think that's something that shouldn't be in the game. The situation where there's a class that just doesn't have card draw. Or Shaman, where like Farsight and Mana Tide toward them. You know, it's not a coincidence that the bad classes don't have card draw. It's not a coincidence. When you don't have card draw, your consistency of your game plan, whatever game plan you have, is not going to pan out that well. So I think that every class needs some fundamental um, traits, fundamental strength in its classic set. If it doesn't have those, and you know one expansion doesn't pan out, then the classes in the dumpster is unplayable. I think a lot of the reason why you have so many classes recently that are just unplayable or just irrelevant is because you whiff an expansion, a synergy doesn't work out, and then the class has nothing to fall back to. Nothing to to like there's no card draw, so I'm just I'm just stuck. I have nothing. There's no Acolyte of Pain anymore either, so I just have nothing to do. I have to wait for four more months until I des I, I get something, maybe. If I had even mediocre card draw in the classic set, then maybe I would be able to tap into that and utilize that in the meantime and not just not exist as a strategy because I don't have a fundamental uh, mechanic in the game. So I think that in general, I, th I might even do that in the future, like work on an article in which I propose an entire rework of the classic and basic set and give every class a more even uh, field, playing field at the beginning that, you know, so that it doesn't like classes just don't sink into the dumpster the moment one expansion whiffs or two expansion whiff and they just have nothing to fall back to. I might do that, depending on feedback. If people are interested in that kind of content, I'll be willing to do that. I already have like ideas and such. Might be a fine thing to do, but generally I think that the classic and basic set needs to be reworked, not just at the priest level, but every class set needs to be reworked so that there's an even playing field and you've got fundamentals in every class. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I think that's a pretty exhaustive review of where we would go and... There's been a lot of chatter lately. I would not be surprised to... Well, we talked about this on our last episode. I asked if there was going to be another change, and you said no. And then there was. You think there will be another change this meta? No. <laughs> okay. I think... I, th I just think, again, I think it's too difficult at this point for them to make m more changes. Um, they kind of whiffed on the Twin Slice rework. They could have made more changes. I think they just don't want Demon Hunter to be weak. I think they just want, they intentionally want Demon Hunter to be strong throughout this expansion because of its novelty. And if Demon Hunter ends up being too good in the next expansion, then they'll start addressing things. But they don't want to nuke the class. They would rather keep it too powerful than too weak. Which I understand from their perspective. But for now, for now, this will have to do. We'll have to do with the current meta, which isn't terrible. Like, there have been worse metas. Like, I've been... I might have sounded a bit negative in this podcast um, because of my own personal frustrations with the high-variance elements in the current meta. 
But, you know, the meta is not ter- We've had it worse. Uh, the, the problem I'm seeing is I'm looking more to the future and I'm getting KFT, KNC flashbacks. And I'm wondering if we're headed to a Rastakan-like decline. Um, that's what concerns me. Because I love the game and I want it to succeed. So I try to do the best I can to provide feedback that might be heard by the people at uh, Team 5. And they might take some of the things that I say seriously. They might not agree with other things. But if I did a little bit to sound an alarm in some way, then I'll be happy with that too. This team has at least shown us they are willing to change, they're willing to adapt, they're willing to try things, and it's not like how it used to be where if there was a problem, you knew you were going to deal with it for six months. Team 5 and its current iteration are not stubborn. Correct. They learn from experiences, they listen to feedback, they, they, they take things to heart, and they do want to make the game as good as it can be. And I think there are a lot of things that they improved on uh, compared to years ago, where we had oppressive decks that existed for six months and no balance changes were done, and they were like hilariously fearful of any changes to the game. And now we're in a situation where they're trying to tweak everything, uh, like t- trying to tweak a deck multiple times within a couple of months. That would be inconceivable four years ago. So we've definitely made a lot of progress, and things are better now, and hopefully. Uh, they will continue to get better and improve. No meta is going to be exactly perfect. That's uh, like that's the important thing to note, is that there will always be something that feels a little bit bad. You can't design cards that are interesting and compelling without taking some risks and without create potentially creating some issues. The most important thing is recognizing these issues when they appear and trying and doing your best to address them, which I think they've done a good job at, generally. Um, the goal of the community is to bring to light whatever it finds a bit problematic. And again, it's, it's, there's a dynamic here between the community and the designers, and it's important that the community is not overly negative and definitely not toxic in its uh, approach, uh, in its, you know, in its language towards the designers. Well, the designers, they have more information in front of them. They are better equipped to make the decisions, but they also need to pay attention to what's happening in the community and take what it says seriously and take the feedback to heart because that's what improved the game at the moment is the fact that they did listen. They did change their approach from years ago, and they are willing to make more frequent changes. They are willing to make new formats, um, new ways to play the game, something that were they, they were very resistant in doing years ago. The game was just static and didn't change for a very long time. And now we might have a new format. We might have a new approach to the game. And hopefully it will be for the better. I have faith. And yeah, the designers and the players both want a better game. It's a collaborative process. It's it's not us versus them. It's both of us versus the problems. 
Right? We're we on the same team. Exactly. We're on the same team. We both want to make the game great. There might be different opinions on how to make the game great. But that doesn't change the fact that we're on the same team. Well, I think that uh, that'll wrap up our episode for today. We went a little bit long, but I think there was actually quite a bit to talk about. And even if the if the stats haven't changed that much, sometimes it's about more than the stats. Um, so the next report will be on Sunday. Sunday, the 28th. Thank you very, very much, everyone, for listening. Big thanks to Steven Sensei for the outro, or for the, uh, for the intro and outro clips. And we'll talk to you soon. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.